Hello there and a very warm welcome to episode 25 of the Frantic Football Podcast on World Football Index. It's been quite a few already uh, and we've got another one of course this Monday even though we didn't have too much action on the weekend. Not Of course uh, the men's international break meant that there were no major top flight leagues except a couple. Um, so we don't really have too much to talk about but that doesn't mean we don't get Ben Griffiths on. How are you doing Ben? I'm good. It's a, it's a manic Monday. So I'm, yeah. I don't know uh, if I can say that without the trademark laws, but this is a quarter century of podcasts yes. that we've done. So congrats and thanks for all the work you do, Neil, on hosting it. But yeah, we are really up there now. Oh, yeah, we are. I mean, you know, obviously, thank you very much for all, all your inputs as well. And, and so true to Alex Barker, who's joining us on this great occasion as well. Welcome, Alex. Oh, thanks for having me on, man. I must say, I love the international break more than anything. So I'm going to be a joy <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, let's see what we've got for you then. We do have some league fixtures, of course. Uh, some big, big matches uh, in major women's leagues this weekend. Some huge uh, results in various title races. And of course, we have Alex's favourite games. Uh, Euro qualifiers, some AFCON qualifiers. Although, I don't think we are going to be mentioning too many because we'll check in on Friday to see how things stand. Because obviously, as we even as we record, there's some going on. A bit of CONCACAF Nations League was there as well, although uh, I don't think we have anything major to mention from that. And then we have some uh, men's leagues. Uh, we had a full round of MLS fixtures because uh, international breaks do not apply in the United States of America, of course. Uh, we had a couple f- uh, from the Americas as well, uh, so the Brazilian State League especially. And we will also pop by in the Segunda División because that went on. Uh, and finally, we'll we'll have, uh, I suppose, Ben's favorite discussion. Uh, we will talk about Tottenham, and and we'll talk about Antonio Conte because obviously he, uh, as we record this uh, on Monday, he he left by mutual consent uh, earlier today. So we will we'll be discussing that right at the end. But lots of matches before that. So let's get stuck into it. WSL, we had uh, in England what they call Women's Football Weekend, and and well, the schedulers, uh, schedulers certainly lived up to it. We had a Merseyside Derby on Friday night that ended one-one. Both sides uh, had late winners ruled out, so it it could have really gone either way. Uh, both should be safe from relegation, though. So even obviously they're not competing at the top, uh, but they, they, their season should uh, should come to an end with relative comfort. Then we had Arsenal thrashing Spurs in the North London derby. 5-1 that ended. So Arsenal were you know, staying in touch uh, with the top three. And, and I mean, you have to say, given given the other result, uh, staying in the title race. And the other result, of course, uh, was the big one. Manchester City beating Chelsea Tunnel. So the league leaders losing at, uh, at the City Football Academy. Two early goals in the first half decided that match. And so some puzzling substitutions, to be honest, from Emma Hayes. She took off Lauren James in 36 minutes in, uh, alongside uh, Sophie Ingle. 
and yeah, I mean, I mean, that was after that. I mean, Chelsea didn't really look too good before that. They definitely didn't look good after that either. So uh, a comfortable win for City in the end, and what that does to the table is it separates uh, the top three with just one point. So United and City are on top with thirty eight points, Chelsea on thirty seven, and Arsenal on thirty five. But both uh, United and City have played 16 games. Chelsea and Arsenal have played 15 games. So it, it could look a little different uh, once those games and hands are out of play. But le- let me tell you, this is going to be a very exciting title race because on the penultimate match day, these teams will be playing each other. We've got a Manchester derby and a London derby between Chelsea and Arsenal on the penultimate match day of the WSL. So this one's going right down to the wire. It, it's abundantly obvious now. And it's, it's not just the title race, it's the race for the Champions League spots as well because there's four teams involved and there's only three Champions League spots on offer. So this is very much going to be uh, a, 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 an end to, end to the season to follow in the WSL. So uh, obviously we will be keeping an eye on that. Then we had Barcelona uh, playing El Clasico in Liga F. They went into this a game obviously with a hundred percent record in the league, uh, and they came out maintaining it. But but it, it, it was pretty close. It was much closer than many of the classicos we've seen before. Uh, they needed a, a late penalty uh, from uh, Rolfa to, and I should add a, a, a maybe slightly contentious one at that. It was certainly not the most clear cut foul you'll ever see. Uh, but either way, uh, that was enough for them to win one nil. That makes it, I think, 11 wins from 11 Clásicos. So Real Madrid haven't even taken a point of them so far. And their winning streak in the league has been extended to 57 games across, uh, what, three seasons? Uh, And obviously, that's the longest ongoing uh, in the world across men's and women's leagues, as you would imagine. Another big result, uh, well, there was another Clásico as well, I should add, uh, in in Mexico between... uh, Chivas and Club America, and, and Chivas won that 2-0. So, uh, an important result there, of course. Uh, they have now moved level. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, wait, I said that all wrong. Club America won that 2-0, uh, and, and that's an important result because they moved level on points with uh, Chivas uh, for in second and third place in Liga MX. And then the other big race, uh, the other big result, sorry, in a title race came in Germany where Bayern Munich played Wolfsburg. Uh, two points separated the two sides. Uh, Wolfsburg on top. Uh, they've won, uh, what, I think six of the last seven uh, seasons uh, with Bayern finishing second in each of those occasions. Uh, but, but Bayern this time decided to jump up. Uh, they, uh, once again, it was a late penalty that, that decided the match. But in the first half, uh, around half an hour in, uh, there, there was some controversy because uh, from a corner, Bayern thought that they did bundle the ball over the line, but it was cleared right off it. And again, there was no goal line technology to be sure. And this one wasn't given. But either way, it didn't matter in the end because uh, Georgia Stanway scored from the spot uh, in the 84th minute, so fairly late on, after a handball in the box. Uh, so Bayern caught up there. Uh, I think we have six matches left for both Bayern and Forsberg. So, you know, it's 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 a six. It's the cliche, but it's six cup finals really for both because any missteps could be catastrophic in in the context of the season. But yeah, I think that's that for our uh, matches for our league matches. Let's move on to Alex's favorite bit, which is the international break. 
uh let's let's start in europe we had a bunch of euro qualifiers uh let's start uh, on friday night uh when uh, the netherlands took on world defeated world cup finalists france uh, and and that didn't seem to go particularly well did it alex uh it did not uh i i really wanted to focus on the netherlands in this game because i've been following them last couple the last couple of years because I think the managers they've had, this is the second era of Ronald Koeman. Um, didn't get off to a good start, losing 4-0 against France in this game. Uh, obviously coming in after Louis van Gaal at Frank de Boer. And it just feels like the Netherlands really don't know what they are at the moment. Like looking at the team that um, played on played France uh, in, in Euro, UEFA qualifiers, Euro, Euro 2024 qualifiers, qualifiers. They aren't just normal friendlies. Like You do need to try in these games. France starting with Mbappe, who scored two, Antoine Griezmann, um, Kingsley Coman, Randall Colomani, who's very unlucky not to get a goal in this game. And the Netherlands with Martin Darun, Vinaldo, and Kenneth Taylor in midfield. Getroida starting at centre-back and then I think moving to right-back later in the game. And then that was only really when he started playing well. Front line, Dem- Depay, or Memphis, sorry, uh, Xavi Simons, I'm writing a video at the moment. Very excellent player playing on the left, which was good. Um, and Birchwoist, but you look on the bench, you've got Daniel Marlon starting on the bench, uh, Brian Bobbery as well, I think has been decent this season, and Graven Birch, who any other season would be in the team, but has just suffered at Bayern Munich. It feels like the, the one nation here knew exactly what they are, they've got overflowing with talent, and it weirdly feels like the Netherlands are kind of lacking in it, even though we wouldn't think of it, there's so many, so many great players that should be available, uh, I'm not sure why Frankie Dion was for this game. I assume he was injured, but it was quite uh, weird. I'm, I'm not sure about Dion specifically, but I do remember uh, certainly Delicht and Rakpo among other, among five players who suffered food poisoning before this match and have to be sent home. So uh, that is, I, I suppose, I'm I've heard that before as a Tottenham fan. <laughs> <laughs> but even then, like yeah, you've got I the players. Know. The players missing, like yeah, Gakpo is one, but you know, on the French side, you've got Fafana, Diaby, Tamavinga, Catherine Tram on the bench. Like it's just levels between France and Netherlands. It's kind of weird to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, th- I think from from uh, you know, obviously there were absences, but certainly as as you rightly said, there's questions to be asked of some of the decisions Koeman made, and indeed after like half an hour when they were three 0 down, he took off Taylor, uh, sent on Weghorst, uh, changed a few things, but didn't really change uh, how the match went so big win for uh, France there then we moved uh, I think, was it at the same time I think it was at the same time uh, as this game we had Sweden against Belgium uh, and of course for Belgium it was a new manager in the dugout uh, as well it was uh, Domenico Tedesco taking over uh, and uh, certainly a good start for him uh, they won 3-0 uh, at the end of a pretty good performance Romelu Lukaku uh, scoring all three goals getting a hat-trick uh, and and performance wise as well, I thought they looked pretty good. They they seem to have a pretty good system, fairly standard four three three system. But uh, obviously they are uh, you know they they do have a fair few talented players, most notably Debrona in midfield. I I, I quite liked uh, seeing Dodi Lukebakio uh, start on the right wing, uh, and and he had a great game. He he assisted two goals, uh, two of from Lukaku's goals, and I think in one of them he. He basically he, he received the ball out wide, uh, close to the touchline. Then there's two defenders, and he, he 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 sort of I think does a feint. And the two defenders crash into each other and fall, and then he just uh, he goes on, and then he he sets up 
Lukaku's goal. So, uh, glad to see that. And I suppose a good start uh, for um, Tedesco. Uh, and oh, I should, I, I suppose I'll also add the third uh, assist was from Johan Bakayoko, who's another exciting winger from uh, PSV, who's really had, a, I suppose we could call it a breakthrough season uh, this year. So, uh, good to see, good to see uh, a good start for Belgium uh, under Tedesco. Then we had Spain getting off to a good start, a positive start in the new manager as well. Luis de la Fuente, of course, promoted from the under-21s. They beat Norway 3-0. Uh, it's, the scoreline certainly flattering. Uh, they certainly did not deserve to win by that margin. Two late goals from Jose Lu off the bench on his international debut. Um, just a couple of days before he turned 33. It's, it certainly was his birthday, either today or yesterday. Uh, but obviously, really great to see him uh, in the national team fold. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think performance-wise, it was, um, as I said, Norway had a fair few chances. Uh, Sir Lutz missed, missed a couple of sitters. Of course, they were missing Erling Holland out injured. I, I dare say if, if, he, if he was there, the result would definitely have been quite different. Norway might have even won it. Um, and, and yeah, from, from a Spanish point of view, uh, it was interesting to see the system that uh, De La Fuente went with uh, in practice. It was a sort of 4-1-5 uh, with uh, Rodri in midfield. Aspas, uh, Iago Aspas, in, in the right uh, inside forward uh, position, I suppose, which he didn't, re- he didn't really look that good in, which is unsurprising given the fact that he's a striker. Uh, and obviously Balde uh, on the left with uh, Gavi tucking inside as he does for Barcelona. Um, and yeah, in, in possession, maybe you, you you could say we still see some of the issues that we saw under Enrique in the sense that you know, they have a nice structure and they can keep the ball well, but it's penetration that uh, they, they can sometimes lack. But either way, Joselu off the bench uh, did the job for them. Uh, and obviously, we keep an eye on how they get on uh, going forward. They've got Scotland next. Uh, Fernando Santos was the f- next new manager to uh, start a new job, uh, with uh, certainly in terms of a match. Uh, and and it, it wasn't such a good start for him. He's taken over the, the Polish national team job. They were up against Czechia uh, on, was it Saturday night? Uh, and yeah, <laughs> this did not get off to a good start. Within three minutes, there were two goals down. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's about as bad as, as it gets, really. Uh, and it didn't really get much better. Uh, Czechia scored a third uh, just after the R mark. Poland pulled one back late, late on. But uh, obviously, a 3-1 defeat is not how you want to get things on the way. Uh, especially uh, in in a group with uh, Czechia, Albania, and Poland, you probably see the three sides competing uh, for the two qualifying spots. So they, they definitely can still recover from this, but a, a really poor start uh, to Fernando Santos' tenure. Uh, and Alexander Petrakov, uh, previously the Ukraine manager, has taken over Armenia, uh, and he didn't get off to a good start either. Uh, they lost. Uh, 1-2 to Turkey. Uh, they did score first. I think they were up at halftime, but uh, they they eventually went back. But the, the best result, certainly the most exciting result and the most exciting match uh, was uh, a Kazakhstan against Denmark. Uh, it, it seemed for all the world that Denmark would be cruising home to yet another win, but, but that wasn't the case, Alex. It wasn't the case indeed. I was just actually... Looking back on the facts of this game, Kazakhstan v 
Denmark because it was a wild one. Um, and it, it's been underreported, I think. If you look at online, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have seen that the scoreline, Kazakhstan 3, Denmark 2. A lot of people focusing on Asmus Hoyland, Atalanta striker, who's got five of his first two games. And he was really good in this one. His first goal, a delightful chip over the keeper. But in, in frantic football pop, podcast spirit, we should be paying some tributes to Kazakhstan. The second goal in particular was uh, fantastic. It was from Ashkat Tagibergen. I'm probably butchering that, but I've done my best. Uh, he's a 32-year-old playing in the Kazakhstan Premier League. Uh, Neil probably knows him, probably watches him every week. Uh, his second go- The goal he scored, the second one for Kazakhstan, was outrageous from miles out. Like a, a rocket in the 86th minute. And then it was only three minutes later when uh, Abat Aimbetov, I think I've done very well on that one, um, made it 3-2. Now, for context, Kazakhstan ranks 150 in the world, beating Denmark, who got into the semi-finals of the Euros only a couple of years ago. And interestingly, I went to look at their recent results thinking, oh, you know, this is probably their first win in ages. But they've actually been on quite a good streak, beating a lot of the teams like Slovakia, Belarus, Azerbaijan, Moldova. Um, Pretty decent record recently, so maybe Kazakhstan are the next footballing superpower. They just got promoted from their Nations League group. That's they did so well that they were promoted. Uh, I think the end of last year. So they've, I I don't know how how it works. That they've either qualified or they're in like one of the final stages for. In fairness, no one knows how it works. But yeah. yeah, I know how the Nations League works, but then I don't know how the qualification component works it's, outside it's, of that. And I'll just say I'm not European, so it's not my job to know that. So I'm not a Euro expert, Emma. <laughs> yeah, but also Ben, it's not interesting, Other. so it's not my job to know that either. Yeah, so, oh, exactly. So my job Neil, it's your job. So how yeah, does I don't know that? Yeah, so we'll go up. <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't know that. <laughs> but what I do know is I I saw a tweet from someone which I forgot, but basically it was some sort of predictor model, uh, ranking every team's chances of qualifying for the Euros via the Nations League, and I do remember distinctly that Kazakhstan had the highest chance there. So wow. Interesting. Wow, yeah, they went really um, four one and one because uh, they were in a group. It's I'm looking at it now with uh, Azerbaijan, Slovakia, and Belarus, and so they've been promoted to League B. Which who is who was just recently relegated? Where like League B is going to have it's England, yeah. isn't it? England, is England. It's England, isn't it? Yeah. Wait, so Kazakhstan will be in the same league as England? Wow, that'd be interesting. They could be drawn together. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's really good or Kazakhstan or really bad in England. <laughs> okay, let, let's let's find out. How you qualify uh, for the Euros via the Nations League? So there are some. You might need a whole new podcast for that, Neil. <laughs> okay, hold on. Ah, so group winners uh, qualify for some sort of playoffs, I believe. We're getting um... the straight facts here. <laughs> oh no! Wait, is this a, is this to qualify for the Nations League or? No, 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 no. Oh, Euros. everyone qualifies for the Nations League. Everyone yeah. plays, and it's it's qualified oh for the Euros. For the... Yeah, no, yeah, the Euros is. So, so, sorry, so no, I do know how this works, guys. Oh, wow. Um, Go on. The, the winner. <laughs> okay, Euro yeah, expert. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Win, the you winner. Clue us in. Yeah, it's the. I think it's from the top two groups. Um, might be uh, the top four groups. The winners of the top four groups will go into a um. Yeah, it's well, it's like a semi-final and final. Yeah, and then the winner of that final gets an automatic slot in the Euros. Oh, okay yeah. okay so then who was let's let's just go through so nations league c we have the winners georgia greece kazakhstan turkey so i don't and know too much it, about it, i don't think i think this will be after the regular qualification so if you yeah. already qualified i'm assuming you, you don't have to worry about that so 
I think I think that's something to consider. So the last one I remember was Portugal, England, I think France, and maybe the Netherlands along those lines. I think that was the last but, Nations but League. The Nations League final. Right? It was the final, yeah. Yeah. That's not that's not the Euro spot because all of them were already in the Euros. Oh, sorry. No. Okay. Like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was the same thing. Uh, okay. Hold on. I I think I have something. Yeah. This is from the Wikipedia page. So uh, anyone could have said it's it. probably but, true. Wiki is so good. Yeah, of course. So um, apparently there there are playoffs for each of the leagues. Oh, oh hold on, this was in uh, October and November twenty twenty. So I like the use the of the word par- apparently. Like we're not a hundred percent. Yeah, we, I don't. It know happened, but we don't. <laughs> I wasn't there yet. Yeah. Sorry, go on now. Uh, yeah. So. At least for the last year, those um, there were playoffs for each of the leagues, so A, B, C, and D, and then each winner earned a spot in the semi-finals of the qualification playoffs. So one from A, one from B, one from C, one from D, I think. And then if the group winner was already one of the qualified teams, so I suppose this is after the regular qualification, then they, so they use some rankings to give. I'm guessing FIFA ranking. To give the playoff spot to another team in the league, uh, and then they played the playoffs, uh, unless fewer than four teams remain, in which case it gets complicated. I won't say that. Uh, at, uh, oh, then playoff spots are given to the next lower league. Okay. So anyway, I think I think the main takeaway is there'll be some sort of playoffs, and then that with four teams, uh, and then you go to the well you call it the winner of that will get one direct berth in the Euros. So from the Nations League there is one direct berth available through some sort of playoffs, which we will find out about when they come around. But I'm not I'm not Googling that anyway. Are you, are you intentionally making that com- explanation confusing or is that your best job? Because is it that is it that hard to understand? No, I, I, all I, of I, that went over my head. Yeah, I tried I, really hard to listen I, to it. I think it would have been better if I had researched this before. I, I, oh no, I no, 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 no. I don't think it's a new I don't think it's a knock on new new. I think you did a, yeah. I think you tried your hardest. I think it's I, there's I don't a ton t- of scenarios. It's uh, a yeah, bunch exactly. of competitive statements. It was exactly. the moment you no said idea. and then and then and then another team from another group decided by some rankings. I was like, what? Hang on, where's this come from? I, I think it's basically it gets complicated because this is happening after the regular qualifiers. So if, if there's the a lot first, of scenarios that the first criteria yeah. has some already qualified teams coming into the playoffs, then obviously you don't bring them in and you have to replace them. So that's where it starts to get complicated. But basically, there's playoffs which will happen, which will be fun. Anyway, moving on, let's go on to well, let's let's go to Mongolia because Ben got something on their first ever match against the UEFA team. How did that go? Yeah, uh, well, not well. Um, so they they it was their Mongolia's first ever national team match against any European side, and they played Georgia in Georgia. Uh, they lost six one. Uh, so it it obviously is not the best result, but in terms of first time playing, I mean, they're ranked one hundred and eighty three in FIFA and Georgia are seventy eighth. So it's to score a goal, and it wasn't even own goal. They did score a goal. Haven't seen it, so I can't tell you if it was like good or, or bad or what. Uh, but they did score a goal to equalize pretty early on, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but one thing, too, is they lost 6-1, and Faratelia was not playing, so it's not like he was just running wild. Um, but they did have uh, someone else who people might have heard of, Georgi Chekabadze. I know he's pretty good for them. He scored a brace. Um, but just to score a goal in their first ever match against a decent European side, I think is a big thing. Just to play European side, I think is a big thing for a team like Mongolia. Um, yeah, definitely not the best result, but at the same time, it's kind of like San Marino. If you lose, but you score, 
hey, let's call it a victory. So I, I'd say it's a pretty good showing. Yeah, that sound you know, reminds me. They did not uh, sadly score uh, the, the, in, in their match, which was, I believe, against, was it uh, Slovenia? But uh, they did, they did, they did, they did play very well. They held on for nil nil till half time, and then they only conceded to a, a wicked deflection uh, and uh, a, a, an own goal to lose two nil. Uh, and uh, the, the the San Marino fan account on Twitter, which is one of my favorite accounts, uh, called them the two worst goals they had ever seen. So let's see if San Marino can do anything uh, in, in the next international break. And and their what is it? 18, 19, well, it'll be a 19-year winless streak by that time. So, yeah, we look forward to that. Ooh, would you look at that? They have Kazakhstan next. I think, like, given... given. Ooh, there we go. Given all, how we've hyped up Kazakhstan. Wait, San Marino have Kazakhstan is, next? Yeah, San Marino, Kazakhstan yeah, okay. next in June. So, a fair bit for that. So, so, we'll come back to that in a few months. Anyway, let's move on. Enough of international football. Alex is already sick and tired of it. Uh, let, let, let's go to MLS. Let's go to America because we had a full round of fixtures and a pretty pretty entertaining one too. Uh, first, let's mention St. Louis City. I think Ben mentioned on Friday that, uh, and we've of course mentioned before as well, that they uh, they have set a record of becoming the first expansion side to win their first four matches. And now they've extended it to five because they won 4-0 uh, against Real Salt Lake uh this this weekend goals uh, uh in in the second half and Joao Klaus getting a brace this time including yet another goal he was gifted by a, a stray pass among defenders which he, he some he seems to have a knack of getting on the end of those because I feel I feel like I see one every week uh but either way a, a, a great start again continued for uh, St Louis City uh Atlanta United also had a great start this season they were I think top of the Eastern Conference going into the weekend, but I can tell you they are not top anymore because they just got thrashed. They lost 6-1 uh, to the Columbus crew. Uh, of course, we should mention that uh, one of the products of uh, having a full round of league fixtures during an international break is that many players uh, would be available uh, and Atlanta certainly suffered from that problem because they were missing uh, Thiago Almada, who has definitely been the best uh, player in the league in the first month, four goals, four assists in four games. Uh, and they were missing, I think, six others, including striker, uh, Greek striker, Georges Giacomakis. But to be fair, the Columbus crew were also missing some players, uh, including, uh, well, Lucas uh, Zellarayan was, I think, injured, but, 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 but they too had a fair few absences, but that didn't seem to trouble them because, well, they scored six. Uh, and gave Atlanta their worst ever defeat uh, in, in their history. So, a, a big win for them. Then, we had Jordan Morris, not called up uh, this time by the US uh, men's national team, but maybe he should have been because he just scored four for Seattle Sounders uh, against Sporting Kansas City. They won uh, 4-1 and obviously he got all of their goals. And one, one thing I want to keep an eye on uh, and and I've reminded I've set a reminder for myself for this is uh, whether we see Danny Buanga in Sudan's game this evening because I watched him on let me get this I think Thursday he was he was playing he played a full ninety uh, for oh sorry Gab, yeah Gabon against Sudan 
And obviously, we have the reverse fixture tonight in a couple of hours as we record this. But he played the full 90 for Gabon against Sudan. Then he flies over to uh, America and, and, and scores a winner off the bench for LAFC uh, in a match where I, I think it was pretty late too, wasn't it? It was close to the end because I, I remember Carlos Vela missed a penalty just before to, uh, to uh, score a go-ahead goal. So he, he scores the winner for LAFC against FC Dallas uh, in a game that ends 2-1. And uh, now I'm just curious to see if he if he flies back there, uh, because I mean, you know, that, that he, he's clocking up the the air miles. He's, he's yeah, so I uh, I wasn't in LA too. That's uh, I went cool. actually the journey yeah. because this is uh, uh, the yeah, so. peak weekend for the cherry blossoms yeah. here in DC. Yeah. So the whole city is pretty much like we have a lot of uh, soccer trees that look beautiful, white and pink at this time of year. Uh, in DC, I don't know if they always play a home game, but especially when there are home games played on this weekend. A, there's a ton of tourists, more tourists than normal in town, and B, it's a huge event. Uh, so they have special kits for the cherry blossoms this year. They have, or most years too, it's a white kit with some pink cherry blossom-like um, designs on it. Looks really clean in person. I was a little bit worried looking at the links online when they came out, but they look really nice. Uh, and they opened the scoring. Uh, it was 1-0 through, I think we've heard of this guy before, Christian Benteke, uh, 45th minute just before uh, halftime. Really well worked goal, goal came out from the left, and then uh, youngster Ted Petro let it run through his legs, right to Benteke, who swings it, he was right in front of the goal, swings it further out wide to Ruan, who then puts it back to Benteke, and he just slots it home from, I think it was like three inches away, probably. Um, and then they conceded uh, uh, two times in the second half to lose the game uh, by an 88th minute loser, I guess we'll call it, uh, by Noel Buck. So it wasn't necessarily the best... Uh, event for for the fans when dc scored it was pouring rain it was dreadful weather weekend or dreadful weather day it was cold it was rainy it was misty it was foggy uh there was beer flying in the air after they scored and then it, i think the mood was shifting further and further towards um the weather's side by the end of the match and, and dc's twitter was funny because both times that uh new england scored they just said the minute new england goal that's it so like put one tweet out at the end of the game is the 88th minute uh new england goal and then they put out another tweet says final and not again for another day and a half they didn't tweet so it's definitely the mood had shifted from this great this is like a big event for our city we scored an open goal wow we're really doing decently i think this season too and then new england comes and scores two in the second half to lose but yeah it was definitely a, an interesting game um the, the town that I currently live in lost. The town I'm from is Columbus, and they won 6-1. So I guess we'll call that a net, a net zero for my teams. Fair enough. I suppose maybe the aggregate scoreline is in your favor. Uh, but, aggregate scoreline is in my favor. That That's yeah. definitely true. But yeah, let, let's, let's also quickly move on then uh, to Brazil quickly. We have obviously the state leagues ongoing right now, so it's, it's all quite dispersed. We're starting to approach the finals. Most places we're seeing playoffs uh, being played. I think a couple of finals first legs uh, as well this weekend. But I wanted to mention what's going on in Gaucho. Uh, so first we had Gremio, who, who are of course going to be back in Serie A when, when that starts this year. Uh, they needed penalties to beat uh, a Serie C side, uh, Ipiranga. But then a fourth tier side uh, called uh, Caxias, if I'm saying that right, I hope I am. Uh, faced Internacional, who are of course uh, a big side, they'll be the Libertadores this year, they finished second uh, in the league last season, 
in Serie A last season. Uh, and, and it was 1-1 from the first leg. And this was a home leg for Internacional. But this ended 1-1 as well. Both goals in the first half. A, a red card in the second half for an Internacional player towards the end of it. Uh, so, so we went to penalties. Uh, and, and the fourth tier side won. So, so they will be through to the final. Cartes will be through. They'll, of course, face Gremio for a chance for what would just be their second uh, state title, second Gaucho title. Internacional, I believe, have 45, Gremio 41. So the odds are definitely stacked against them. But, but that'll be one to watch. But I, I think I'll also add that I'll, I'll link this in tweet below. Those, uh, well, so I was watching the highlights. So I, I watched... Uh, the, the penalties, uh, and, and then I was I was prepared to be done with it, but then I saw that there was almost a game of tag or something going on because the players were literally chasing each other. Because I think what happened is after at the end of the penalties, uh, and from what I've read, this what I could gather the international players felt that uh, their opponents celebrated over exuberantly. Uh, which is, I mean, I mean, come on, man. They're, they're, they're it's a fourth tier side winning. Yeah. What are they supposed to do? Yeah, like handshake and go match lots? <laughs> but, but, uh, so, so, so they were angry at them. And then there was, there was, yeah, there was a sort of a scuffle and the players running around chasing each other across the pitch. Uh, and then I think there were two red cards given out after the full time whistle. Uh, but either way, I think, you know, can't mar this a great, great result for Gaxias, who, as I said, will have the chance to win their second Gaucho title ever uh, when they play Gremio in a two-legged final. So we, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Only had one Liga MX game this weekend. I think it was a rescheduled match. Uh, it, it did feature uh, Mazatlan, who are having a pretty bad, pretty bad season. The, the bottom of the league, obviously, no relegation from Liga MX, and they'll be glad to hear that because they only have four points uh, after, what, it's now 12 fixtures. Uh, so a, a really really terrible scene so far. They lost to Leon uh, this time. Uh, it was one one pretty early. I think in eleven minutes both sides scored once. But then Leon went on to get the winner in the 80th minute. So uh, Mazatlan still bottom. They do have a win. So it's, they've lost ten matches uh, of their twelve, uh, and of course there's only uh, five more to go. So they, well they'll hope the suffering ends soon. Uh, and I also quickly wanted to check in. Uh, with what's going on in the Segunda Division. As I said, we had a full round of fixtures uh, this weekend. I, I watched uh, Eibar against Andorra. I was quite impressed by uh, how Andorra played. Uh, I, I think we've mentioned them before. Or certainly, I, I've read, read about them before. They, they play some very interesting possession-based football. I believe their coach comes from the Barcelona Academy. They definitely do have some former Barcelona uh, Academy They're players. owned by PK. Oh well, there you go. PK owns them too, so it's that's a it's a huge Barcelona connection, connection that they're yeah. seeming to have. Yep. So uh, impressive from them, but it was only a nil draw they could manage against the league leaders. Uh, but that has, of course, closed the gap down at the top a little bit because Granada managed to win. They beat Real Oviedo late on thanks to deflected strike. Uh, so they're within two points of Eibar, and of course, there's only two direct promotion places. So uh, Las Palmas and Levante, two points behind Granada, will be looking to catch up soon. And well, e- even if we go down to fifth, to Alaves, they're on 57 points. So it's six points between the top five, uh, two direct promotion places. Uh, and then, of course, the playoff, four spots for that. So that's one to watch. Then at the other end of the table, 
Ibiza are finally off the bottom. Uh, they're definitely going down. They're 10 points from safety with about 10 or 11 matches left. So it's going to take quite something for them to, to, to survive. But they beat Burgos 2-0. And that included uh, one of the best goals I've seen this year uh, from Ivan Morante. Uh, I- I'll link it below. There's no point describing it. It's it's simply incredible. Um, yeah, I-, I-, I don't think there's more that I can say to do it justice. So I won't be trying. And let's let's move on then finally to our final topic of the day, which Ben has been really looking forward to because we're talking about his club, Tottenham. So, of course, we I think we've spoken about Antonio Conte before. I just definitely would have mentioned that uh, lovely press conference where he basically said, get me out, I want to leave, get me out of here. He uh, had a plan and, and it worked. <laughs> it worked. Uh, it worked by mutual consent too. So, uh, both parties unsurprisingly agreeing to this departure. And, of course, that means Spurs are in for a new manager. Uh Obviously, uh, Alex as well has has been uh, focusing on this topic a fair bit. So, so uh, let's hear from you guys. I think uh, let's go to Alex first. Uh, well, I guess how how have you seen the situation and what do you see coming next? Well, first of all, you two won't appreciate how maniacal Daniel Levy is because he sacked Antonio Conte during an international break at eleven o'clock UK time on a Sunday. Now, people like me, journalists in the UK and who cover football, treat the international break as a holiday. So to to do that on a Sunday night on a weekend, right, in our holiday is horrid. So first of all, screw you, Daniel Levy. Secondly, I found the whole thing very funny because as you guys have mentioned, I've never seen someone like publicly execute themselves in the way he did. Uh, thirdly, hopefully, uh, Tottenham will... Um, get a different manager in who's not a win now guy and actually builds towards something uh i would now love to hear from ben um the the analytical mind of ben and also the fan of ben because uh, neil as you ben wasn't here for this but you may recall the last time we had a uh, rafael on well me and him were on was when manchester united lost was it seven no i think and um, I, I enjoy I enjoy drinking his salty tears. So Ben, I'm looking forward to um, your words too. So how do you feel at the moment? How do I feel? I am excited that he's gone. Oh, what yeah, I find, one so let what me I, interject. Yeah. Uh, I will be linking a beautiful piece of artwork from Ben uh, below, which yes, I please. got just before we hit record, which was uh, his feelings for I think the last four first managers. It's it's a Correct. beautiful graph. It, 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 it brought a tear Oh, down. yes. I've seen so this. I, 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 How I long did it take you, Ben? How many days? How many days? <laughs> oh, no, not days. This has been this has been weeks in the making because oh, just sorry. finding the right colors, finding out like what, like how should I really present this data that I've been collecting? I mean, literally, I've been collecting this data since like 2014, Alex. So it's not just a couple of days. This is years in the making. Uh, the graph itself was probably one of the most time-consuming graphs I've ever made. Like I spent a lot of time coding. This thing, this I thing hate was... to say it's my magnum opus because a magnum opus means that like I'm only going to go down from here, but this was my magnum opus. Pages and pages of code were yeah. responsible for this. AKA uh, Microsoft OneNote. <laughs> and that's not my handwriting because that was me writing with a mouse. And my handwriting is actually just slightly better than that. So it's actually very close, but that's not actually my handwriting. It's my artwork with a mouse. But yeah, link that below. I, I'm excited. 
as you'll see from my excitement graph, I'm excited he's gone because it was um he was close to negative. Nuno was negative excitement when when he was sacked. Um, but Conte, so so like the 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 analyst in me is also very similar to the fan in me because of the the peaks and troughs of Conte's like the expected goal difference, like the the xG, the xA, the results, the goals passes literally almost every analytical component that you could get is like a bunch of m's just put next to each other it was just like have you ever seen a random walk down wall street like those types of graphs that's really what it looked like and that's kind of what the emotions are because it, the emotions my emotions as a fan don't go with like any of the analytical stuff they go with like my, my feelings but it was weird because this is the first manager of the last like four since 2014 that I've really been 2013 I've really been addicted to Spurs where everything was was just going with the results and that's not how I normally am because the results and the performance were typically the same that's not the case with most teams and most managers right you can have a bad result a great performance but for so many of Tottenham's matches under Conte especially after the first three or four months of Conte the results and the performance were basically the same thing and that was what was weird. That's also why I wanted him out. I didn't want him out for a long time. And I wanted him out because it was just, I don't care about what your style of football is. I don't ever, I will never say my life, oh, dismal football or anti-football. But we we beat Chelsea 2-0 and then we get out of the FA Cup to Sheffield United because we played poorly against them. Not because they randomly won, but we played great against Chelsea just a couple of days beforehand. So it was just that like back and forth and back and forth. I'm happy he's gone. And what you said about we don't like Tottenham shouldn't have a win now manager is, is I think so true because that's not who Tottenham is as a club has never been Tottenham as a club. I don't think going back any part of Tottenham's history, I don't think they've ever been, there's been trophies, but there's not been like that. We're like the win now sort of mentality. After, after can I, can I ask, that, now, can I ask a follow up question to you, Ben and Neil. Go on, go on. How many places in the world do you think Antonio Conte would want to be in less than at Tottenham? So, mm. so far, I've got... Juve, Inter... Oh, I, was thinking, I, was, I was thinking more like war-torn war countries, maybe like a volcano. Yeah. Like, I'm, I don't think... I think those maybe are... Bench, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe like in the middle of the Pacific. I think yeah. that's close. He might... Between the you know what? My fanciest and... chances of swimming, to be fair. Yeah, I think he would. Actually... He might love a destination in in Hawaii or, or Fiji. So I don't know about the middle of Pacific. I'd go there. But <laughs> no. I, I based on his his comments that he tried to get fired, I think there's literally nowhere he would. And that's why it was mutual consent. He was not sacked. He was let go. I think we've. This is the first manager that we haven't sacked in a while. That it's been it? mutual consent. Yeah, because sacked Pochettino. Sacked, I think, past few people's before Pochettino, too. I think he was. I thought he was sacked. And then, then obviously, (laughs) Mourinho was sacked. Um, Nuno was sacked. Uh, Yeah. And you can't count Mason as a caretaker. So, uh, definitely the last, like, main since Tottenham, since Poch has really turned Tottenham into what the club is right now. The first that was left on mutual consent. And you can also tell that by the only backroom staff member that left with Conte was Conte. It was his brother. <laughs> mm. So you had both Contes leaving. Cellini, his assistant manager, is now caretaker manager. Uh, the All the other backroom staff, the, the coaches, are still there, which is pretty crazy for having a coaching team to come in, which is what 
he kind of did. He consistently build his coaching team, not just I'm the manager and I have a bunch of other people that have been here for a long time, but then they don't all leave. And that's what happened with, with Mourinho. That's what happened with, with Pochettino. I think what happened with Nuno, he kind of brought in people, then they all left with him. In Conte, that's not the case. So I'm not sure why that is, but it's an interesting little tidbit that I don't know if maybe Conte is just, I mean, we have to say that off pitch, there has been a lot of stuff going on um, in, in just his life personally this season, but I'm not sure why everyone else is still there, I guess. That would be my mm-hmm. my, my question that there's no answer for. Yeah, that is quite interesting, but let's talk about then what next i think you you obviously alluded there to obviously sterling taking charge uh, on a, a caretaker basis but obviously the big question is who's coming in next obviously a big name on the market is julian nagelsmann can tottenham get him should he go there what do you guys think do we have any alternatives alternatives i'm not sh- i'm not sure because i'm not great at like oh who's available like managers but i know that so we we were romancing him before he went to Bayern. Uh, so Tottenham wanted him, Levy wanted him, they had meetings. And I think he was really excited about it. And then he's from Bavaria. He's from Bayern Munich. He's, 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 I think fan and all that. he's a boyhood, boyhood fan. So like, it makes sense. I, I think everyone did the same thing, even though he was pretty like, cause he, he turned down Real Madrid a long time ago. Right. We're not a long time ago, but a while ago about because he was like i'm not ready i'm still so young i'm still developing as a manager this is like this is the job that i want the the real manager job and like i'm not there yet and so i wouldn't doubt if he does go to something like tottenham and people could say oh bayern to tottenham is such a step down what's the step up from from bayern if if he's going to go up those really not many if any it's just lateral steps so he's going to go lateral or quote unquote down so i think and also he'd be a great fit because as a fan and an analyst, I don't want Tottenham's next manager to be someone who says, this is how I play. This is how I play every game. This is my formula. Go ahead, teams, figure it out, because they will. And that's that's not who Nagelsmann is. And so I, that is, to me, something that's really beneficial for someone like him that others might not want, but I think that it would benefit a team like Spurs that do actually have a decent amount of in the current squad, versatility from a positional standpoint of players can play because almost all of the forwards can play pretty much anywhere in the forward line. I don't think we have a single winger. I'm not going to say we don't really have any attacking midfielders. We don't have a single single striker or winger that can't play somewhere else. Kane included because he could drop a little bit deeper or even play off the left in a specific type of system. So midfielders, they can play defensively or as central. Um, I think wing the, all of our full slash wingbacks can be either fullbacks or wingbacks decently. And then we have a decent amount of center backs. Plus we have Udogi coming back in. We've got uh, to be as a potentially even a winger. Sesson Gong could be a winger or it's just, I think we would be able to with our current players, plus a couple additions adapt to some manager that can make seven minor changes before every single match. So I think that would really help facilitate the results and the performances that some people don't want in their team that I think fits Tottenham pretty well, as well as compared to Mourinho and compared to Conte beforehand, where it's, this is what we play. This is how we play. It invites poor results because you figure out how to beat it. You consistently beat it. 
I'd kind of like to back if uh, Nagelsmann's also my top target. I think Spurs should go over the odds to get him. If they didn't get him, I would. I wouldn't mind Ruben and Morin. Um, uh, speaking that's last a great week, shout. Yeah, I was speaking last week. We have Tom Kunda from um, Portugal. Uh, he's been a Portuguese journalist for about twenty years, basically, and uh, he speaks extremely highly of Morin. He came into Sporting when um, a lot of the players left after the fans attacked the training ground, like. And that stuck with me because I think the easy criticism you'd level at him would be, listen, the Portuguese league, Tom said itself, it's dominated by the big three teams. But is it that much of an achievement to finish in the Champions League space with Sporting to win the league with them? And the answer is yes. He won their first league. Especially to win the league with Sporting is a massive achievement. Yeah. First league in 19 years. He did it barely a couple of years after they were at their lowest ebb for decades and decades. So... Amarim is a really big shout as well, um, but I'd still put him second to Nagelsmann. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I haven't watched as as much, obviously, of him as I have of Nagelsmann, but I haven't, I haven't watched a ton of Nagelsmann at Bayern, to be honest, but um, just everything that he... That's just a great shout, because you think about also the, 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 the players that we have, we've already gone through Mourinho and Nuno as well, both Portuguese managers... I, I just it helps with the language. I think I've, I've heard before mentions of of a language stuff. Well, there we go. We've got Portuguese staff. We got Portuguese players. Portuguese speaking players. Great. Yeah. I what other managers are available? Because obviously, let's go managers for Ben. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I don't think there's too many actually. You know. Thank like, God, Tuchel is available. I think that was my biggest concern <laughs> was him coming in, and and so thank you, Bayern. Thank Maybe you. Cameron could take over from last week. Oh yeah, I think so. I well, yeah, to for some Herbie ball. Um, <laughs> I think that. I don't think it's going to catch on. It's going to the second the second he manages uh, Tottenham to the Champions League final. We won't win it, it's Tottenham. Um, then we'll know that Herbie ball has really. It'll be Herbie fully loaded. <laughs> I'm so sorry, you guys. <laughs> I apologize. Tottenham, you know what you deserve, Tottenham's failures. <laughs> oh, I do. Oh, I do. I, I wasn't even born into Tottenham, my friend. I'm I'm an American. I, I chose them, right? So <laughs> Yeah, that, that I tell you what, that says that that should be like a red flag for anyone hiring you. Like this guy, he's got a great CV, he's doing great work, but he did choose to support Tottenham Hotspur. Clearly, something's a bit different in his brain. Decision There's something making. yeah, yeah. Mm. But hey, I'm a great artist. Yeah, fair point. A beautiful this design rather. but yeah i i think on that note i think that that that's your lot i think that's what we've got for today uh we'll of course be looking forward to the matches in midweek which are yet more international as well as the second legs of the uefa women's champions league quarterfinals all of them one nil so all of them are definitely worth tuning into uh, and, and then, yeah, we'll, of course, as always, be back on Friday to go through that and to more, more importantly, this time, certainly, to look forward to the weekend. We've got some huge, huge games. Uh, first one off, off the top of my head is, of, of course, Der Klassiker, which got, I suppose, all the more important after this uh, international break. So we'll be back on Friday on Patreon if you can join us there. Otherwise, uh, we'll be back out everywhere wherever you get your podcasts on the next monday so see you then and until then take care thank you for listening goodbye